everybody. When, when, as David did earlier, I want to welcome those who uh, are joining us at home. If you would, uh, just tell us uh, whether you're here in the house or at home, where you're uh, joining us from today, you can do so at cchmd.com connect. You can fill out the connection card there and uh, uh, let us know where you are viewing us from today. There's also a spot on there. Uh, tell us know if there's any decisions you want to make today based on uh, just our time together, uh, how God may be leading you with that. If you're new, uh, my name's Mike. Uh, I'm one of the ministers here. You can uh, let us know that you're here by texting NEW to 240-347-0897. And uh, we'd love to just follow up and connect with you uh, uh, along the way. If you want to follow along today uh, with uh, the, the sermon notes, you can do so on the YouVersion Bible app. And uh, you can search for the Church of Christ at Hagerstown. And today's sermon is called uh, Church is a Team Sport. Church is a team sport. And so whether it's U9, soccer, or, or, or Little League, uh, uh, David and I have been in the, uh, the throes of, of coaching uh, our, our children's uh, sports teams uh, th- these last uh, few weeks. And there's been uh, some highs and some lows. And uh, like, 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 this, like yesterday, we, uh, we, we uh, lost by a, a large margin, but, but we scored runs. Did, did we score yesterday? I can't remember. Yeah, we scored runs yesterday. We didn't score runs on Wednesday. That was a bad day. And so, so we've had a few games where we didn't score runs, and, and that, 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 make, that makes things a little more difficult to, 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 to talk about. But uh, we are glad that you're here, and uh, that, 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 uh, that, that while church is a team sport, we know that, that, that we hold the victory because of, of, of Christ. And so before we go any further, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for today, and we thank you for the sunshine and uh, the warmth, and uh, Father, we thank you for blue skies and the chance to come out and to sing uh, these praises to you, Father, you are uh, the maker of the stars, and you hold our world in our hand. When we feel like we're coming undone, when we feel like things are a wreck, we know that you hold everything together. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the life that we have in him. Father, we thank you for uh, uh, who you are and who he is and what he means to us. And so, Father, I pray that today as we look at your word, that you would give us a guidance and direction, that you give us a clarity of mind about how we can can, can be obedient to you and how we can share your life with those around us. Father, we thank you for the new life you've given us. And we pray that you'd use us to bring others to that same relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's, a, it's interesting that as graduation day is, is fast approaching, how it's so easy to kind of go back and remember some of those rites of passage that we go through. Uh, the, the, some of the, some of those joys of growing up. Yeah, I remember the, uh, the, the uh, where I'm finally old enough to mow the grass. You know, I'd seen my dad out there mowing the grass. I'm like, that'd be fun one day when I get to do that. And, the, and now it's like, oh, I get my own grass. I'm like, do I, do I really want to mow it? And, and I look at Jaden and say, hey, you want to mow the grass? It's too hot, Dad. It's too hot. I'm like, oh, well, well we got to mow the grass because we're, we're not going to be those people in the neighborhood, you know? And it's a... Yeah, or, or, or do, do you remember, uh, you know, the, the, the joy it was of turning 16 and going to get your driver's license? You know, like, oh, you, you, the, the anticipation and, 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 you know, maybe the, a little bit of anxiety. Am I going to pass or am I going to hit a car while I'm taking the test? Am I going to uh, back into the cone trying to do the parallel parking test that we, we you know, you know parallel parking sometimes is a lot like algebra, right? You know, when am I ever really going to use this in life? Does, do I really need to know where the two trains are going to pass each other when they're going opposite directions, opposite at different speeds? No, we, but I parallel park nearly every week downtown, and so it, it comes in handy. 
Maybe you remember the anticipation of your high school graduation. Maybe the anticipation of going off to college and, 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 and pursuing uh, what you want to do with your life. Maybe you remember your first job. My first job was as a, a youth sports official for the St. Charles County YMCA. Um, my first assignment was to umpire T-ball. And I remember, I, I still remember this day, sitting in the office of the, the director's office, and he was explaining to me how, how I should officiate. And he goes, now, when the players are out, you need to call it loud enough and firm enough that they know that they are out, but not so loud and firm that you didn't make them cry. And, and, and what's funny, though, is, is I umpired T-ball. And, and so we, we got, uh, now I'm coaching Josiah's uh, uh, coach pitch team. So we're playing actual baseball, not just T-ball. And, and I, as a manager, have to both umpire and coach. And I was like, don't we have people who can umpire a game so that I can just coach? Um, but, but, but it's, it, but sometimes there's differences of opinions between the coaches about what's a ball and what's a strike. Uh, there's a rule book that tells you what it is, and then there's other interpretations of what they might be. And, and so uh, we, we have discussions, and, 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 and maybe I remember the first job where you made real money. First job, I made some, some real money. I, was a, I worked for a landscaping company for a man in my home church, and we uh, mowed several different places around town, the, the local hospital, several yards, uh, some other businesses. And I remember you know, as, as a 16, 17-year-old, walking behind a big 42-inch mower. That cost more than I could ever probably think of it would cost. And, and you know, I put stripes in yards and mow and weed eat and blow things. I, and we just get to a new spot. We'd drop everything off the trailer. We'd run, you know, get everything cleaned up, put it back on the trailer, go to the next job. There's these certain things about maturing. There's a certain rites of passage that we kind of go through. There's certain uh, markers that we're kind of supposed to hit. And, and we can tell when we mature physically, right? There's certain things that we, we, we look and we do and we say and, and we appear. Uh, it, it, it's amazing because like, our, our kids seem to just keep growing out of clothes. And it's like, how did your legs get so long? Yeah. At what point did, were you allowed to have your arms and legs be so long as to need bigger clothes? You did not have that permission to do that. But when we're healthy as individuals, we, we, we grow and we develop at a proper rate at a certain way. And so children are born and they grow up and they leave and they start families of their own. But in recent years, there's been this seeming rise of delayed adolescence. It's been labeled the Peter Pan syndrome. Where, where people, we're seeing individuals kind of have this inability to progress to the next stage of life, the next level of life. They're like, I'm comfortable here. And so they no longer want to engage in the next set of behaviors that are involved around adulthood. And describes those who, who seem to want to just continue to live their life as, as children. And there, I think there's a, a spiritual application to this as well, not just a, a physical, not just a sociological one. But, but I, I got a feeling that none of us desire to go back to the world of flannel graph and animal crackers. Though, though we might all want a few animal crackers, right? I mean, we, I think we've upped our game here. We at least do goldfish. Um, some churches do Cheez-Its. Uh, um, but uh, you know, maybe snack time in the middle of church. Maybe that would maybe that'd be a good thing, right? Yeah. Getting a little hungry and maybe 
Breakfast is starting to wear off. We're not quite ready for lunch. But oftentimes, we have this tendency to quickly consider ourselves spiritually mature just because of the length of time we've been in church. And spiritual maturity is, is more of a continuum than a solid state. Physical maturity is, is obvious, but the same is not always true in regards to spiritual maturity. See, once someone becomes spiritually mature, they can regress back into a, a level of immaturity. And if we, do, if we do not continue to progress in our spiritual development. And so we're going to see today how our individual pursuits of maturity uh, affect our corporate maturity as well. That there, that there is an interconnection between the two, between my life and yours. That our spiritual lives are not merely personal, but severely interconnected. And what we need is greater community so we can achieve greater maturity. Let's see how our individual pursuits lead to greater maturity as well. And so if you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 to 16. As, as we've talked about, Ephesians is this book, this letter in two parts. And so the first three chapters, though Paul didn't write in chapters, he just wrote. And, and as he wrote, he gets to this point where he's kind of talked through all of their new identity. Here's this identity that you are, have been raised up in, this identity that you've, you've now uh, changed to as you became Christians, as you began to follow Jesus. Here is this, the reality of your new identity. And then he kind of shifts here in the middle of his letter and, and begins to talk to us about behavior about we are, how we are to act, about how, what we are to do in light of our new identity. So here is who you are, and this is now what you do. People like this do things like that. And so he's told them, here's who you are, and now he's telling them, here's what you do. And he writes this. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you're called to one hope and you're called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 
Paul's tone, as I said, kind of begins to change here. He, he moves from instructing them about their identity and teaching them about their identity, and he moves towards uh, kind of inspiring them to live out a, the, a new life out of this new identity. Well, while our identity in Christ is always in, is always in progress, we're always maturing, we are always uh, developing who we are spiritually. We're not in this static state. And so as he, he goes, he, he, he begins to teach me, he says, hey, we, I, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. That phrase, live your life, has this picture of, 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 of walking around. It, it literally is like uh, to, to, be, to be walking around. So as we go about our life, as we walk through our day, as we travel about, as we do our life, he says, you need to live a life of your calling as you go about your day. So it's not like I have my faith compartment and my work compartment. Hey, so, so when, I, you know, when I wear these clothes, I'm a Christian. And I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do, do faith things. But when I wear these clothes, I'm going to do whatever it is I want to do. And sin is okay because I'm wearing these clothes. These are my sin clothes and these are my Jesus clothes. And Paul's like, no, there, 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 are, there, there is no such thing as sin clothes and Jesus clothes. It, it, your, your life is your life, and they all blend together. As you live out your life, live out this calling. And some of you might be going, um, I don't remember receiving a call from, from God. I, you know, I, I can check my, 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 my phone log. I can, check, I can go back and see. I, I, I've not received this calling. But Paul says, let me let, let, me, let, let, let you know. I'm writing this to the saints of the church of Ephesus. So he's writing this to the believers in the church. And so he's writing this down through the centuries to us as well. So, so to the, the Christians, to the saints, to the believers of the church of Christ at Hagerstown, let me tell you, he says, I want you to live a life, to, to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. When you became a believer, you responded to a call of God to follow and to walk in step with him. And so when you respond to that, that was your calling. When you chose Jesus as your Savior, Jesus called you, and you responded, and now you need to live a life that is distinct because of that calling that you've responded to. Speaking to the saints, he's speaking to, and they, well, what am I, they made me think, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, what is this life that I'm supposed to be living? And I point you back to Ephesians chapter 2.10, right? We have been, uh, we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what is this life that's, that we're supposed to be living? Well, we're supposed to be doing these things that God has already prepared in advance for us to do. So if we are growing in our faith, if we are pursuing a life with him, we are realizing these things that we need to be about. These actions, these, these activities that should be filling our life, the way we interact with others, the way we share with others, the way we talk with others, ought to all be helping others, nudging people closer to relationship with Christ. As we go through this letter, there is just this sense of community. That we don't do this all by our own. Paul's not writing to an individual. He's writing to a faith community. He's writing to a church. He's writing to a church in a specific location. And anywhere there's more than one person, 
there is likely to be disagreement, right? I've heard someone say, if two people agree about everything all the time, one of them is unnecessary, right? So if there's two people, there's going to be disagreement. Do you want to eat here or there? Well, I want to eat here. I don't want to eat that. I want to eat this other place. There's going to, you know, even simple things is what is on the menu. But Paul says, hey, we need to approach our relationships with humility and gentleness. We need to be patient with one another. There will be conflict wherever there are people. And so there might be how we want to live out our faith might be in conflict with someone else. And so we need to maybe find that middle way where we can both accomplish what we think God is having us do. And maybe your ideas are good and my ideas are good. But really, if we put our ideas together, maybe there's something better. And we combine our efforts. And so we join with one another with humility and gentleness. And we bear with one another in love. And as we bear with one another, as we, as we work out life together, we become this amazing picture to the world around us about how we can live together in harmony and unity. This, Paul goes on and he says, as you do this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. You know what that, 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 you know what that tells me? This is not going to be easy. Make every effort. Guess what? There's going to be some days it is going to be harder to like the person that you're working with. It's going to be harder to like the person that you are in relationship with. There are going to be days when there will be a struggle. But make every effort because in the end, it's worth it. Hey, we need to keep unity. We need to keep peace. We need to, to work together in humility and gentleness so we can portray <coughs> Christ to the world around us. There are people in our life that sometimes will <clears throat> put us to the test. There are some people that, 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 that just need a bit of extra grace. And sometimes these people are, uh, there's others that extra grace is required to maintain peace with them. And sometimes, uh, they, they, maybe they, they, they're called, hey, they, they, they're an EGR. There's just extra grace required. And maybe sometimes you've been the person that extra grace has been required. We've probably all been there, right? There's been, just been days, and we know that, you know, I, I've bad day, um, rough spot, and today, um, I didn't mean it, but I just need extra grace to allow you know, I need you to give extra grace to me so that we can maintain relationship today. And sometimes we need to extend that grace to others. Sometimes we're too quick to cut people off and we're too, too quick to be short with others. And when really we need to work to maintain unity and peace with one another. Because Paul goes into this section right after this and he uses the word one a whole lot. I don't know if you noticed that when I was reading it, but, but the, 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 we, we, we saying this, I believe today because there are certain things that we hold true. No matter, almost no matter what church that you go to, no matter what denomination, no matter what, 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 uh, uh, where you fit kind of on the scale that you, you, the words of that song, we can pretty much all agree to that. There is one body and one spirit. We are called to one hope. That there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who's over all and through all and in all. There's just one. 
He's like, well, well, I I worship the the Maryland God, and and, and you know, so he's like, well, well, I worship the Florida God, and I worship. Uh, no, there, 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 there's there's not different gods or different Jesuses for different regions of our country or different uh, continents of our world. No, or different countries that you may come from. There is one God and Father, and so the same God, the same Jesus that we're worshiping today, they, they're worshiping on the other side of the country. They're worshiping on the other side of the world. They're worshiping over in Europe. Wherever Christians gather, we worship the same Jesus. And we might have different interpretations and different parts of the scripture. But when it all comes down to, if we hold true to, if we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again to, to give us eternal life, there's a lot of other things that we can bicker about, but we can say, hey, you're a brother, you're someone who we can agree with on Jesus. There's just one thing that holds us all together. There's our faith in him. And from those of us who have, who believe, those of us who, 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 who would be listed among the saints, as Paul's writing to the saints in Ephesus, we get to receive this today. He goes to each one Grace has been given. Grace has been a portion. And, and sometimes we limit grace to talking about, about salvation. Grace has been applied to our life. Uh, we, we are forgiven. Our sins are washed free. But that word grace uh, has a bit of a broader meaning. It, it's a gift. Uh, to, to, so to each one of us, a gift has been given. Not just our salvation, not just forgiveness, but there's also been giftedness that God has given us. There are, there are abilities and assets and, and opportunities that God has placed in each of our lives for us to be, uh, to, to us have influence, for us to, to share the gospel, for us to, to impact others' lives. And he, he says, to, he, he has given us these things for the advancement of the church. And he says, some of these are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Uh, they, they, these have been understood in two ways. Sometimes it's, uh, they're understood as giftedness. In some places, they're, they're, they're almost seen as offices of the church. That, that certain offices, uh, they, 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 they each, you know, there's some uh, denominations who may see these as different um, uh, uh, offices or, 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 or positions in their church hierarchy. And even traditionally in, in our churches, the role that I am in has often been given the title of evangelist. But of these titles, of these uh, uh, giftings, of these offices, of, of what, however you may want to uh, understand or, or interpret these different things, the, 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 one, the giftings that are more in line with my strengths happen to be those of more of, of pastor and teacher. I, it's, you know, I, think, I don't think there's any one of us here who would say, hey, I, you know, that, that we're against evangelism. But there's definitely some of those among us who are more gifted at it than others. There, there are some who are, uh, who, who, who are, who are more inclined to be uh, helping. There are some of those who can see um, the, the behaviors and can, can kind of uh, see how scripture and, and uh, our world and culture align and, and, and those places where we need to call out sin in our world or we need to, to, to uh, uh, raise up 
uh, other believers. Maybe there are some who are, are, are more uh, like, like the apostles, and they go into new areas, and they, and they do uh, uh, new things and new ways to reach a new group of people. And so sometimes we need, as we, we look through different giftings that are written about in the scripture, how has God gifted me? How has God gifted me? How is he, how, how, what, what are these things? You because know, if we are a follower of Jesus, if we are a believer in him, he has given us a sort of gift. He's given us something, some sort of function so that we can participate in the body of Christ. One thing I like to say is that there are no appendixes in the body of Christ, right? You know, appendix, right? We're not sure, real sure what it does in the body, and so oftentimes we'll say, well, let's just remove it. There are no appendixes in the body of Christ. Everyone has a role. There's a, something for everyone to do. Why? Because we all work together to bring the whole body to maturity. We all work together. See, the role of the leaders of the church are, is to equip the people to serve. The role of leaders is to help the body to, to, to grow and to mature. But for far too long in churches across America, people show up on Sunday to see the pastor, the preacher, the minister, the, 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 the praise band do their thing, and then they leave only to come back next week at the same bat time, at the same bat channel, to, to see the same thing. But I come to watch you do the ministry, but I am just going to come and absorb. And that has no place in the New Testament. There's no, I'm going to come and absorb and go and just, and just kind of float along. No, they, they gathered together as a church and they, the, the leaders were to help mature and raise up and to equip the saints to do the ministry. Ministry isn't what David and I do or accomplish. Ministry is what we all accomplish together. People often ask, Mike, how can we help our church grow? And the easiest, you know, why isn't our church growing as, as fast as such and such church? And one of my responses is we, we just don't invite enough people. We don't invite enough new people. And so if we don't have enough new people coming in, we won't have enough new people staying, enough new people adding you know, to the number here. Because we can only have so many babies at a time, right? I mean, and, and there, there are some of you who are like, you know what? I would be like Sarah, and it would have to be immaculate. It would be, it'd be, you know, it'd be the work of God for me to have another baby, right? And, and so, uh, and so, well, that would be awesome. And we would, we would be like, hey, praise God, that'd be, uh, yeah, a miracle in our time and place. Maybe that's probably not how God's gonna best work to grow our church. Maybe if we invest in others around us and help develop relationships and invite them into a relationship with Jesus, invite them to join us, invite them to, to come to church, maybe we might see our church begin to grow and have an impact in new ways. If all this, though, is left to one person, very little will be accomplished. But if we all make it our personal responsibility to invite others, to, to engage in ministry, to go and to do, we will find much greater success. Sometimes David and I will talk and as we're talking, it's so easy for us to just do the ministry. It's just for us to, to, to do ministry and kind of leave you guys out and to not invite you into the process. But what this does is just leaves us worn out and it leaves you guys underdeveloped. 
That's what we need is for people to say, hey, I'm available. I want to serve. I want to help others. I want to help grow uh, and and, and mature others in the faith. And I want to help others uh, by by using the giftings God's given me to help them mature so that together as a body, we can grow to be more mature in Christ. Paul says that when we do this, no longer will we be infants. No longer will we be tossed back and forth by every wave or every, every wind of teaching. Have, isn't it kind of funny to hold a baby sometimes? Because they have just enough neck strength to hold their head up. Uh, but then you're thankful that the neck is there because it's like all of a sudden it's like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, they got it, they got it, they got it. Oh, no, they don't. You know, you just, you better catch that before it falls off, right? And so and sometimes we're like that. Sometimes when we are not growing in our faith, sometimes when we're not mature, we can be thrown off by any little thing. But as we grow and mature, we strengthen and we become like that newborn's head. All of a sudden, no longer are we worried about them, their head just flopping all over the place because they've grown, they've matured, they've strengthened themselves. Infants need cleaned up after. And so eventually, we too spiritually should mature to where we don't have to have others clean up our messes where we can recognize our wrongs and we can ask forgiveness and we can right the wrongs of our past and we can uh, seek grace and forgiveness from those who we've hurt. We know right, right from wrong and help others and lead others to, to guide them away from wrong teaching and wrong behaviors. And this is how we grow to mature as the body together. See that... And says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And that word we is very important. Because my personal responsibility, my personal responsibility has very corporate effects. And not just my personal responsibility, your personal responsibility also has very corporate, very big corporate effects. So if, we, if, 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 if some of us aren't trying to grow spiritually, if we aren't trying to grow in our faith in Christ, our corporate body together will be held back. Our individual, all of our individual efforts together bring us closer to Jesus. My maturity affects the maturity of this body. Your maturity affects the maturity of this body. And when we mutually mature together, it brings us all closer to him. Not just that, but mutual maturity leads to corporate unity. See, as we become more mature, as we grow closer to Jesus, it, it, we ought to grow to a place where we give deference to our personal preference. We become mature to a place where we're like, hey, what is best for us to reach those furthest from him? And so we give deference to what we might prefer because by, 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 by deferring our own preference, we might be doing things that we may not prefer, but it might help us reach people who are far from God. It might help lead us into doing something new that might help uh, reach a, a group of people in our area, in our city that need to know of the love of Jesus. It may mean that our individual lack of effort has kept us as a body from progressing towards Jesus and achieving the mission that he has for us. 
together, if we all pursue maturity together, we ought to see growth together. But if we're also lagging behind, we will also see us progress towards greater immaturity. And all these things work together as we are built together, as we're joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, as every part does its work. I need you, and you need me. And as we work together to pursue maturity in Christ, we grow up into him who is the head. And as we mature as a body, we begin to do things, those things that God's already prepared in advance for us to do. Those things that we already know he wants us to do. To evangelize and reach out to others who don't have a relationship with Jesus. To, to, to call back those who have faith but have walked away. Those who, who may not be engaged in the faith of their youth. That we might call them and lead them back to know him. The body must work together. Have you, have you ever injured a part of your body that, that made life difficult? Have you ever hurt a finger? It's amazing how uh, hurting a simple finger can, can, can make things difficult. Like tying a shoe, zipping up a jacket. Like, man, all of a sudden you're like having to use a different finger than the finger you typically use to do. And, and, and it feels funny. Uh, I, I dislocated uh, the index finger on my writing hand the Thursday before finals week. Uh, my sophomore year of college. And um, I, 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 I've talked about this before. Maybe you've not all experienced it, but my handwriting is, is not what you would call good. Um, and so writing out an entire sermon for my homiletics class with a splint on the index finger of my writing hand uh, did not aid in my penmanship abilities. But when we individually, somehow lack along the way. Pursuing maturity, we're like a splinted finger. We're like an injured part of the body that's not carrying its weight. And so we're holding the body back and becoming mature, growing, of of achieving what the body can do. What the body of Christ needs is people who desire to disciple and train people to love Jesus. We need leaders to develop leaders. We need disciples to make disciples. And this is, this is not just a one or two person thing. It's not just a, a temporary assignment. This is a, not a, a small project or small process. It's something that we need, all need to work and serve together on so that we can raise others up, so we can strengthen not only our body, but the body of Christ worldwide. It's not a process one retires from and says, hey, I've done that for a while, but I'm going to go do this other thing. Making disciples is the thing. This is the work we are called to do. This is the work that we are meant to accomplish in our time and in our place. I fear that over the years, too often we've made Christianity a spectator sport. We show up at a certain time and a certain place and we watch certain individuals perform the rites of faith. We may gain a nugget here, gain some understanding here. We may think, man, that was interesting. That song was well done. 
but mostly we watch, and then we go home. But what we need is more action. While church attendance is important, we are, uh, church, God does not really call us to church attendance. I know it says, do not give up the habit of mean together. I believe that. But the end of our faith is not to show up at a certain place on a certain day, to sing certain songs and listen to certain people teach. The end of our faith is to make disciples, to replicate it into the lives of others. So that the whole world knows, so that the whole world follows and worships Jesus as we do. We're called to make disciples. And it means we must become heavily invested in the lives of others so that we can help them grow in their faith. So maybe today, maybe today you need to reclaim your faith for yourself. Maybe today you need to, to, to take on in your own personal responsibility to grow in your own faith so that as you grow, you are then, you have something to give to others and help them come to know Jesus so that you have something to offer to the body of Christ to strengthen us all and to help us all mature in him. Maybe today you need to make your faith your own by making Jesus your savior. Maybe today is the day you're like, hey, today I need to make this decision and this time and this place that I need to cross. I know what I believe and I know the steps I need to take. I know what is next. I need to make Jesus my savior and accept him in my life, be baptized into him and change my life to repent and go forward in a new way of living. Whatever decision is that you want to make today, that you need to make today, we want to celebrate that with you. You can let us know by filling out the connection card there at cchmd.com. And you can check the, any of the boxes there. If you want to make Jesus your Savior, Mark, become a... You can also text the word LIFE to 240-347-0897. We want to celebrate and walk with you in your journey as you grow and mature in your faith. See the Bible? The church... It works better when we all work together to make Jesus known to the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have built us up. We thank you that you have given us gifts. We thank you that you've given people around us to help us mature. Father, we thank you've given us tools like scripture to help us learn and know more about you. Father, would you help us to engage you and meet you there so we can grow in our faith so that we can show you to the world, so we can display your heart, your love, your peace, your unity to a world that is so broken and so fractured. Father, we look around and we see the effects of sin, and it breaks us, and it hurts us, and it divides us. Father, I pray that we would put our faith and trust in you, that we would follow your example, that we would make peace, make every effort to make peace as we go, as we help others See and know Jesus. We thank you that you've saved us. Father, would you help us as we walk in this new identity? Help others know you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, I love you. I'm glad that you joined us here, either here in the building or online. We hope you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday.